Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Okay, it is time for an update on my personal life, maybe kind of my side hustle. I'm not really sure what to call this. My extracurricular businesses. That is what we will call this, but it's finally time to do a part two in response to my geodome. Last year, I did a part one and was kind of talking through the whole process, and I have learned so much, and honestly, there's been so much that has came up from that property that it took a long time for us to officially get that property launched, so I wanted to give you a quick update on the show. So let me do a quick recap if you're not sure what the heck I'm talking about. Last year, well, yes, okay, so last year we decided we were going to build a geodome in the mountains of Idaho. So I live in Boise, Idaho. We wanted to build a property in Cascade, which is a couple hours away from Boise. And so that's where we initially purchased a piece of property before the market did all the crazy stuff. And we decided we were going to develop what was initially going to be a small cabin. And so I'm looking through all these like cool, modern-ish, Scandinavian-style cabins. And when I was looking at the lot, I realized very quickly that I couldn't do what I wanted to do with this property. I wasn't going to be able to build this little small cabin because the lot was not really conducive for that. The lot, if you haven't seen any pictures, actually, you can go on Cascade Dome on Instagram. And I've got pictures of like the build and videos and all kinds of stuff so you can see where it started and where we're at today because it's pretty drastic. It really is. And so with this property, what sold Tony and I on this is these massive, and I'm talking like bigger than cars size granite boulders. Now from an aesthetic standpoint, they are so dang cool. They're really fun. They're beautiful. It's just a unique characteristic. From a building perspective, they suck. <laughs> like it's not a good thing to have these on your lot because it's it's just hard to break through. It's expensive. It's not really great for most normal utilities. Like it's just a pain in the butt. It really is. And so once we got into 
kind of the planning development of this project, we realized really quickly, we were like, oh, we got to switch our structures. And that's where we went with a geodome. So something a little bit different. If you aren't familiar with the geodome, it's kind of a round shaped, it almost looks like an igloo. It really does. It's a structure that's similar to a yurt in the sense that it's a, it's a tent. It's a glorified tent. And it has insulation, but it's still really hot and really cold, and it still has all of the temperature swings. But the cool thing about geodomes is it has a 12-foot panoramic window that's made out of vinyl. So it's beautiful. The view is awesome. It's a really cool property. We are super happy with it. So over the past year and a half, we have been developing the land and getting it all ready and putting up our geodome and building a deck with like these massive footers. And we learned so much about this whole process and permitting. And so I just wanted to share some of the maybe phases of the build. So if you're considering doing some type of short-term rental, specifically a glamping site, you will probably have to go through something very similar. So let's break down the different phases. So do note that I'm going to break this down in the different phases, but this is just what we did with our project. Each project is going to be a little bit different. And so you might switch some of these phases around and your area might be a little bit different. But for us, we started with phase one, which was our land acquisition. This was the most important piece of the whole project because we had to be really diligent with guarding our budget on what type of land we purchased. We were able to find 0.97 of an acre, so just shy of one acre, in the mountains on a sloped lot. It did not have any utilities. Utilities are close by, but since we have learned that that does not mean they are economical to tap into, especially in mountain scenarios. It's it's very, very expensive. I'll give you some context of that a little bit later. But for the piece of property that we had, we purchased it for $35,000. That was how much we paid. And we were pretty stoked about that because the lot now has increased in value up to $135,000 is the assessed value. It's crazy. I think it'll go down a little bit because obviously that was the COVID hype, but it still increased in value quite a bit. And again, we do not have utilities to the lot. There's no septic system, there's no electricity, and there's no well, which is what we'd have to drill. So phase two is after you find your land, you make an offer. Ideally, you would make sure that this piece of property that you're looking for or purchased fits for what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to do a glamp site, you have to make sure that it will fit within the residential area. Here's what I mean by that. If you're in an HOA and you're trying to put up a geodome, it's probably not going to work out. In fact, a lot of HOAs have restrictions on square footage requirements, structure, different types of structures, like what it can and cannot look like, even down to what you can do with the property. So it's really important that you do a little bit extra homework before you purchase a piece of property to understand what you can do with that land. So our piece of property is not in an HOA and there are no CC&Rs. It was established in like the 1970s. And so most of the properties around us have not been developed, again, because the terrain is so difficult to build on. Usually that would scare people away. Again, this was our first property. We were kind of playing around and just seen as an experiment. So we didn't really have to worry about that all too much. But now once you have your land, you're moving over to phase two. Phase two is to do your site plan and go through that whole planning phase. So what this entails is really getting a good idea of lead times. If you're going to hire contractors, like starting to identify which contractors you might try to work with. I have a story there. Don't worry. You would also start to establish where are things going to go on your lot? Does your lot actually have enough space for things? So if you're trying to do 
I don't know, say a 2,000 square foot cabin and you are on 0.97, so let's just call it an acre, you're on an acre, can you actually build that size of a cabin plus do a septic system with the leach field and all of this stuff? Like it, it sounds really complicated, but you really have to go and make sure you can do a good site plan to fit that lot because ultimately city ordinances and county codes will not allow you to push that. They have certain limitations. There's like legality and safety around what things need to be from a setback standpoint. And so you really can't do much about that. So you have to make sure you do your homework to see with the site plan, will the structure that you're thinking about building, will it fit for that? Hopefully that makes sense. And then that's where you start moving into the planning phase. This is establishing your budget, figuring out your financing, figuring out how you're going to get this project off the ground and ideally setting a timeline. Although I will say, even if you set a timeline, I promise you it'll take twice as long as you think. It always does. It's just crazy, especially if you're doing a from the ground build, it's going to take at least twice as long as you think. And that leads us into phase three, which is all of your permitting and engineering and your legal documentation. So for permitting, every permit is going to be a little bit different. If you're doing a full-on cabin, you're going to have to do different types of permits. You're going to have to do an entire structure blueprint. It has to fit for the international residential codes. It has to be in line with all of the county ordinances and their own building codes. Like there's a lot that happens in that that phase of the project. And honestly, that phase of the project takes the longest as well. So once you have an idea of what types of permits you need to secure, then you can move over to the engineering phase. Now I'm speaking for the dome specifically. For our dome, we had to have our deck engineered. And so we had an engineering company. The first one we worked with was we thought fine. They told us it'd be like a three to four week turnaround time. It ended up being eight weeks. Now keep in mind with these turnaround times, you don't have control over that. You really don't. Like I was harassing people till the cows come home, but at the end of the day, you don't have control over that and you can't move forward with your project until you have those engineering documents in place so that then you could take that to the city and apply for a permit. So that was a huge hang up for us that we were a little bit frustrated with. It just took a lot longer. And so then we got to the point where we we're kind of feeling like, all right, we got to keep moving forward. We were trying to work with contractors, having a really hard time finding people that were willing to take on our deck project, which was a little bit more complicated than we initially thought. We did the build ourselves. And so it was challenging. Like there was a lot of learning opportunities and lessons and going through inspections. And all of that process was so new to us that it was it was kind of a pain in the butt, but kind of nice to go through at the same time. So we definitely worked on our building skills significantly during that phase. So with our engineering too, what, what we found is because our lot is sloped, we were initially trying to just build up, meaning the deck would have been super elevated, think like nine feet off the ground on parts of it, because again, sloped lot. And so that's where our geodome would sit on top of this deck. And so when we were talking to different contractors to see, we had one person specifically tell us, you know, well, what if you were to just like level out a little piece of, of dirt? Like what if you dug down just a hair and leveled that out? 
then you don't have to build up quite as far. And we're like, oh, that's a really great idea. So we came across like lots of different perspectives and opinions on this. Um, ultimately, I haven't shared this too, too publicly. I will at some point, but we hired who we thought was a contractor. Turns out it was completely not a contractor. They were not registered in Idaho. They lied. They were not insured. Like it was a whole shitty mess of a situation. And we got ripped off really, really hard, like bad. And so I will eventually talk about that. I am not yet because that could be, you know, lawsuits and stuff like that too. So I'm going to just keep that on the DL for now. But that was something that we came across too. That was a huge stumbling block a very expensive lesson and something that we were kicking ourselves for, for not doing more due diligence. Um, but just know that that is something where if you are having to hire contractors, getting bids, fact checking, do your due diligence, make sure they're actually registered for your state contractor board, make sure they're qualified to take your money. Like I didn't realize in Idaho, if you are taking more than $2,000 as a contractor, that's illegal unless you're registered. And so just make sure you understand your state laws and you take my word of advice on this. Do not pay very much down. Like I'm talking like a thousand dollars down on the high end. I would not do more than that because we did. And that was really stupid. <laughs> so just again, take my advice on that. Don't make the same mistakes we did. Get copies of their insurance, call the insurance company, make sure it's active. Like just do your homework and talk to your state board of contractors before you give any contractors money. We have since learned that that industry is absolutely full of scam artists and not very good people, like truly. So you have to really protect yourself and Take the time to find a good person if you hire somebody. So because we got ripped off and because we went through this whole process, we were getting creative with how do we make this work still with us and within our budget. And so that was us doing the build and it was leveling out part of our land so that we had a flatter level to build on and just to give us a little bit more of a easier place for such a complicated deck. And that leads us to phase four, which was for us breaking ground and building. This is where we started to officially start the project and getting things off the ground. Let me give you some context here. Most decks would have footers that are maybe like eight inch sono tubes, like cardboard forms that you'd pick up at Lowe's or Home Depot, maybe 12 inches, like it's not more than that. Our sono tubes per our engineered requirements were 16 of these holes that were uh, between two and six feet into the ground, depending on the area, and were 30 inches in diameter. They were massive, like crazy big holes. And we had to hand dig all of those, which was like insane. But I mean, hey, we do what we do to keep the project moving forward. And that's just what we had to do. So we built our deck, we built some stairs, we built a sauna, we built lots of walkways, because again, sloped a lot, we had to make it kind of a fun access point. We put a ton of work into this project. And it was really quite fun, honestly. And then once we had all of our decks and stuff done, the dome itself went up in a weekend or 
two weekends, I think is what we ended up doing, but it really wasn't too bad. Now keep in mind too, throughout this whole project, this is two hours away from Boise, which means that Tony and my mom helped so much too. Tony, my mom and I were driving back and forth Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday every single weekend because that's the only time we could really work on it. And so that was when we had time to work on the project. So I think we looked at it and it was actually a full-time work, about three months of work. But again, we had to spread this out over the weekends because that's all we could do. We couldn't really sneak away much more than that. So that's what you're looking at from like a time perspective when it comes to the breaking ground and building and all of that kind of stuff. This will vary depending on your area, but for us, that's what it, that's what it was. Now, once that whole build portion is done, you've got your decorating in place, you've got everything set up, then it comes down to phase five, which I think is the hardest phase, and that's running the business running the business of an Airbnb or a short-term rental or whatever the heck it is, is tricky. It really is tricky because you have to think through marketing efforts. You have to think through revenue and expenses, and you have to think through guest experience and how to make it as seamless and easy as possible for guests. And so that portion of it is quite tricky. Now, I don't have enough data to tell you exactly how profitable this is so far, but so far, we will have our first full month of revenue for December. We've had some friends and family staying and giving us feedback, but ultimately, we will have our first full month this December of income. So I will keep you posted in the future episode about how much that stuff actually makes. Usually, I post more of that kind of stuff on Instagram. So if you haven't said hi to me on Instagram, I'm at Whitney underscore Hansen underscore co and come say hi over there because that's usually where I share kind of like little snippets like that stuff. Okay, so running the business, here's a good tip. If you are doing anything that people are going to be renting this property from you, so maybe it's you bought a cabin, you're going to be fixing it up and hopefully renting it out, or you're doing a glamp site like we did, whatever you do, make sure that you are sharing that process. And I mean share every little thing. We have been sharing this for a year and a half with people. And so it was no surprise when we started to get the dome up, like it was really fun because we actually had people that before the dome was even somewhat live, like people didn't even know what it was. They were like, oh my God, I, co I totally want to come stay here. I'm so excited. And so that's the whole thing is like, if you can build up some of that hype through just sharing your journey, I think it makes a big difference with your property for sure. So share that process, allow people to kind of vote. I had people vote on like our sauna color. What color should we paint this? I had people vote on interior stuff sometimes. Like it was just really fun bringing people into that process of of the build and it helps you generate more interest. So that's a huge thing and then another tip when you're thinking through how to run the business and how to market the business, collect a waitlist. So we had a MailChimp account. It's free. You just set it up and we set up a form where we were collecting people to RSVP to be on our wait list. So when we were ready to launch, we had a list of like 170 people that we immediately reached out to and said, hey, we're live. If you want to book, here's the info. So that was really helpful in getting some of the first bookings for sure. But it's something where you have to be creative and you have to think, how do I consistently promote this business? Another thing that we did is we utilized test guests. A test guest is somebody that's going to come stay at your property for free and they're going to give you feedback. 
So they're going to give you feedback on their experience, what was nice, what was not so nice, all of the things. That's where they give you all of your feedback. So we used quite a few test guests, and we were also very intentional about some of the test guests and selected some people that have really a keen eye for photography. So we traded photography for a stay, and our pictures are beautiful. She did such a fantastic job. We also partnered with some local influencers and said, hey, come stay, enjoy the property. And if you just want to share your experience, that would be really awesome. So we've done that a couple of times too, just to generate more of a hype around the dome. And it all works. Like our intention is we'll probably work with some influencers at least maybe two to three times a year, maybe, depending on the bookings, and to just keep generating some hype for the dome itself. So those are all things that we started to do. Gosh, there's probably so many more things I'm not thinking about, but hopefully you understand that this is a business and it is not a passive business. It is a very active business. You have to be involved. You have to find your caretaker or your cleaner. You have to respond to guests consistently and quickly. You have to always be marketing your property. You have to be thinking through guest experience all the time. You have to be troubleshooting. You have to be always thinking about what could go wrong and how you can prevent things from getting bad. It's a tough business. It really is. But from what I can see so far, again, I haven't shared my numbers because I don't have a full data set yet. But from what I can see, it is quite profitable. Like it, it can make sense if your expenses are really quite low, which ours are because we did all of the work ourselves and we stuck to more of a campsite versus a traditional home. So that definitely saved a little bit of money there and keeps that pressure off of the property has to bring in XYZ amount of money. It takes that kind of pressure off. So that's it, my dudes. That's what I got for the dome. It's been going really well so far and it's definitely inspired a lot. My internal goal was always to have five properties over five years, which is incredibly ambitious because most of the properties I want to do are builds from the ground up. So I need to probably adjust my timeline a little bit, but that was my initial goal. And so that led me to what is my next project that I'm really excited to share with you. And that is a giant flower pot. So this is what I'm going to be building in 2023. I'll tell you a little bit about how this came about. It was the Airbnb OMG fund. They put out a call saying, hey, this is a global competition, a global fund. Send in your applications and we will pick out some of the craziest, wackiest ideas. And we're going to fund $100,000 to 100 ideas. So I applied in July of 2022, just kind of as a joke, Tony and I were walking around and we're like, what would be a fun project? Around this same time, my mom had mentioned wanting to start a flower farm. And so we were like, cool, a flower farm. What goes with flowers? And immediately I was like, oh, a flower pot. What if it was like a giant terracotta flower pot? That would be so cool. And it's surrounded by a flower farm. So we played around with the idea a little bit and kind of jokingly submitted this idea not thinking it would go anywhere. And I mean, sure shit, it ended up winning. So which is crazy to me because there were tens of thousands of applications of people from all across the world submitting really cool ideas. The kicker to all of this is the project has to be completed and turnkey ready for guests by August of 2023. It's a very, very tight timeline. So I'm going through this entire process and all these phases once again with a new build. 
And this one's going to be a little bit more challenging. It's going to have its own quirks. It's going to have all kinds of weird stumbling blocks. But this project is also near and dear to my heart because this is what I'm doing with my mom. So we're partners in, in this project. And essentially, it's really fun because my my mom, many of you know my my background. My mom was a single mom for so long and didn't really have the funds for retirement or, I mean, shoot, like money was always tight. And so for her, she never had the opportunity to invest a ton of money for her future. So this is a way for her to get a little bit of income throughout her retirement and just have a really good time. So I'm especially excited about this project and think it will be a fun one to do with her. So I'm really excited about that. So my whole goal with properties and seeing how Airbnbs and short-term rentals are changing is I don't really care to compete with cool condos or really nice cabins. Like that's not really my area that I want to be in. I am more carving out a niche for myself where I am doing unique, quirky, fun builds, like things that are just wacky and are a little bit more recession proof and are experiential versus just like looking for a place to stay. It's like these are more like destinations in themselves. That's kind of my whole goal. So that's a little bit about what's been going on in my world from an extracurricular business activity. And if any of this seems interesting to you and you're like, what the heck are you talking about? And you want to see renders of the the giant flower pot, (laughs) then go over to my Instagram and you can see some pictures there too. Ultimately, that's what I'm up to. And those are some of my fun property updates. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is a little bit more personal than I like to get sometimes. So I hope that this was at least somewhat interesting to you. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.